Hey everybody and happy Sunday. I wanted to come in and do a short recording today um, and tell you my story. But today's record recording is going to be tired the fall <laughs> because I did have a great fall today. I literally physically failed, okay, and injured myself pretty badly. Um, um, I, um, yeah, injured myself pretty bad. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about the fall and we're going to talk about some other things. So <clears throat> my story, the first time I had fallen, I was about 10 years old on my little 10 speed and I was riding down the back road, getting ready to ride to my grandma's house, not a long distance and had walked that road before, had been on my bike before, fell off my bike in the middle of the road on cement and broke my ankle, broke my ankle. Okay. Um, my mama came to pick me up, thought for sure I was just playing because I was sitting there in the middle of the road crying, but wouldn't get up. And so she thought I was just being extra. Okay. I was just being extra and just didn't want to get up. And so I was like, no, I really can't walk. And she said, get up and walk. And so I got up and I'm hobbling along on this broke ankle because she honestly didn't feel like anything was wrong until she realized Wow, you really broke your ankle. And so for me as a kid, being a kid to a single mom, my mom was younger. She didn't have as much patience. The main thing for her was, you're going to cost me money. Now you have to go to the doctor. That's going to cost money. What were you doing? Why weren't you paying attention? What happened? And I can't beat my mom down for that because, like I said, I've learned that sometimes People, you have to meet people where they are, honestly, but you also have to just give grace because maybe she didn't learn to ask, are you okay first? <laughs> maybe she didn't, you know, get that, 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 you know what I'm saying? That little sweet, you know, kind of like mothering, loving type feel. So she didn't give it to me. My mom was more harsh and more brash. And so that was my childhood. If I messed up, I got cussed out. Um, I got reprimanded or or whatever the case was, but she just wasn't that sweet, loving, just kind of like cuddly type mom. And so I just kind of always hated not getting stuff right. I didn't. It it made me a, a, a deep type A. If I did not get something all the way right, if I failed at something, I felt like a complete failure. I didn't like You know, having to, it wasn't so much just not having to get stuff my way or thinking I was better. It was just that, that fear of failure in my head, you know, because you're so used to somebody kind of belittling you if you mess up on this and mess up on that. And so it was almost as if a lot of times if I did, I would go back in my head and be like, okay, what did I do? What did I do wrong? Okay. I thought I did this. I thought I did that. And some things I have found over the years as an adult are not in my control. And I had, as a kid, I tried to control the narrative so that I wouldn't mess up on this or I got this right. I did that right. But I had messed up plenty of times. Okay. I have fallen more times after that, had about forecasts, um, even after that and was cussed out even more. Um, but I just thank God for the fact I can honestly walk and run now. Not much with this weight, but I can, um, considering these bad ankles, But it was the fact that I always basically like beat myself down for any little thing that went wrong, anything, you know, it was, it was never a, 
it's okay. It's all right. You know, let's go ahead and get you cleaned up. Let's go ahead and do this, this, or that. Everybody falls. Everybody makes mistakes. It was never that. It was, how did you do that? What were you doing? Don't you pay attention to what you're doing? You don't know what you're doing. Da, 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 da. That was my childhood, and that became my adulthood. And so, like I said, I, I, I took any, any, anything that I did wrong to heart. And anytime I fell or if I fell from grace for any little thing, it just about tore me apart. And so when I talked in previous podcasts about my depression and about everything that happened after I had my kids, for some people, it's an eye roll because it's like, who in the world has that much trouble? But you have to understand the whole story because I'm not supposed to fail. At least that's the Shakia that I know. That's the kid that, you know, if you forgot to put the top back on something, you getting cussed out. Um, if you forgot and used the wrong hair dryer and took it back for the weekend, you know, came home for the weekend from college and took the hair dryer back and you took the one that she liked to use, whether the one that she didn't like to use, she called you right in the middle of your finals and cussed you slap out about using that hair dryer and told you had to bring it back, called you an MF and everything in the middle of your finals because you took her favorite hair dryer. And so I was so used to that as a kid, as a as an adolescent, as, a, as an adult, that every single time, even when I was an adult, I moved into my house. I remember one weekend, my family was coming for something, and I had worked that night before, and I was tired. And I said, oh, Lord, I forgot they're supposed to get here a certain time. I don't overslept. And so my mama said they were outside, and I had not had the garage open. And when I opened that garage, she just burst. I mean, she cursed me out for not getting up right away and opening the door right away. And that's how my mom's always been. And I'm not bashing her, but that's just who she is. So if you really want to understand like a little bit about why I took being a single mom so hard, it is because in my mind, I'm not supposed to fail. I'm not supposed to not get stuff right because it's, it's like I literally will you know, go through a checklist against myself as to why I, you know, why did you do this? Why did you do that? You know, and I'm like, okay, (laughs) you know, at at this point in my life, I realized that, okay, all of us fail, honey. If all of us were perfect, there'd be no reason for Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us. So your father in heaven looked out for you centuries ago. He knew you could be bullheaded at times. He knew you was going to be hot. He knew you was going to make a mistake on that test. He knew you was going to forget, turn the wrong way, or walk down the steps and not be paying attention. He knew it. And he knew that you would definitely, definitely, definitely fall. But he never intended for you to stay there. And so as I fell coming down the steps from church this morning, it was kind of funny because the whole sermon was about falling. But the point of it was that when you fall, God knows you're going to fall. God never takes you to a place that he cannot protect you, that he cannot provide for you, that he cannot comfort you. He never does that. He is God and God alone. But when he does have you in a place that's a valley experience where you're depressed, where you're sad, where you feel like I failed, you know, I didn't get the job, I didn't pass the test, I didn't get into the school, I didn't, you know, um, 
get the proposal, I thought, after five years. Um, we weren't able to have a baby, and it's been over two years. Um, I wasn't able to get the house, and I thought I did everything right. I've been saving my money. Oh, man, I didn't even get to go over there and tell Mr. So-and-so goodbye. And I found out just a week ago he died. And I just, you know, I just never had the chance to go over there and check on him. There are going to be some times in your life that things are just not going to go your way. And there is no need for you to beat yourself up about it. That's life. I've had to learn that as a 39-year-old woman that I don't need to beat myself up. I don't need to sit and ostracize myself and criticize myself. Even when I called and I was talking to my mom today about me falling, the first thing wasn't, oh my God, are you okay? How are the girls? It was, what did you have on? Did you have, what kind of shoes did you have on? And it's just, that's how my mom is. And I have, at this point in my life, I ain't trying to counsel nobody about how you need to react to people. I just know that's how she reacts. And I know that she doesn't think in the positive. She thinks in the negative. So those thoughts are going to automatically come to her head and she's going to automatically react that way. And so I don't, I don't, you know, I used to let it tear me apart. And I'm not going to lie to you. It used to tear me apart. It used to tear me apart mentally. And um, a lot of my counseling was geared towards that. As a child, how I felt about my mom, a lot of that because I didn't feel that I was loved because I messed up. And I felt that the person's love was conditional because if you messed up, if you didn't get this right, if you did this, if you did that, they fell out of love. And so my relationships always suffered because if I gained weight, if I said the wrong thing, if I, you know, forgot to cook this or, you know, whatever it was, everything was based on a condition. And because it was based on a condition and it was it was it was weird because I I, I started to date men who basically had that same type mentality. It's like, if I wasn't perfectly in place all the time, and if I didn't do things exactly the way that they wanted me to do it, then I was ostracized. Every flaw that they could bring out or they could bring to the forefront is what they honestly, you know, kind of like, you know, high, you know, that's what they kind of like, you know, went off of. And they never thought about the fact, you know, well, it was like this. They never gave me the benefit of the doubt that I could have been tired. They never gave me the benefit of the doubt that, you know, she may have been going through something of her own. We could have just sat down and talked about this instead of me feeling like I had to disrespect her and go outside of the relationship to fulfill my need instead of sitting here and asking my lady, you know, babe, what's going on? You know, I always felt that if I made one mistake, that it was like a fine line between love and hate that the moment that I made that one mistake the moment that I fell from grace the chicken wasn't cooked to perfection the macaroni just went quite that good and cheesy you know the spaghetti just wasn't what he thought it should have been you know maybe if I worked a job and you know I made a little bit too much money and a little bit too much effort to be a boss on my job then that was just too unattractive that you know you trying to do all this stuff you want to do all this and that and it's like okay I'm not able to be who I am and you're not going to love me as the woman that I am. And so I had to walk a fine line. 
And at this point in my life, I can honestly tell you, I refuse to do it. I have refused probably while I'm single. Have been single for probably about, what, five, six years. Um, my kids, what, seven, so seven years. Um, I've been celibate for four of those years. The last relationship that I was in, I walked a fine line. I walked a very fine line. I was emotionally abused. And... I just, I could not go back to that anymore. I just could not allow somebody to just curse me and, and rip me apart because I made a decision or I made a choice. And it might have not been the best choice, but if God has forgiven me and he provides for me and he loves me, why can't you? Why are you honestly just wanting to harp on what I did 10, 20 years ago? Or you're upset because, well, I felt like you should have did this, 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 and that. And it's like... But that's not what I wanted to do. I made this decision. I'm willing to deal with it. Um, how is this affecting you? Like, if I made a decision that directly affected you in a way that messed you over, it's different. My decision messed me over. You know what I'm saying? And and I was a person that had to pay the full, you know what I'm saying? Had to pay the full price for that. So it's one of those things where I just... I, I just did not like the fall. I did not like the fall because I felt like in my head, the fall meant that you were not good enough. That year after year after year led to my depression. Because when you fall and you fall from grace, you don't get the job. You didn't make it through this class. You don't get the promotion. You didn't lose the weight you were supposed to lose. The relationships failed. You know, he said he loved you. He walked off, married somebody else a year later. Um, you feel as though you're a failure. And at a certain point in my life, I felt as though God did not like me. Did he not love me? I felt as though I was just somebody who was just moving through life. And I had no purpose. Because... If all these things have been happening to me and they're negative, that means God doesn't want anything good for me. And I honestly felt that way. It led to depression, deep depression, where I could get up and, and pull myself together to get to work and put on my makeup and my scrubs and stuff and look so crisp and clean and put together and was tore up from the flow up, from the inside, okay? Mentally was struggling because I was such a perfectionist. And I can honestly tell you, it, it affected me on my job. It affected me in my personal life. So many ways it affected me because, again, I grew up with this whole notion that you had to be perfect. You cannot make any mistakes. You know what I'm saying? You cannot, you know, forget to take that lady her ice water. You know, and I'm going to tell you, I work in healthcare, been in healthcare for 17 years. Actually, 20. Actually, no. About, about 20 years. About 19 years. Since I started as a nurse tech. And um, working in healthcare can be very rewarding, but it can be very draining. You could be, you know, in there trying to save somebody's life who is actively dying and forget that the person in the room next to you wanted a glass of water or a, a pitcher of ice so they could have their water. And they will write you up to management about that pitcher of ice and say that you, you sucked as a nurse, you didn't do just because you forgot that pitcher of ice. Because there are some pessimists in the world. There are some people who, you know, that one little pitcher of ice is, is just what they needed. And they don't think about the fact that the person in the room next to them is dying. They just know that you didn't get them that, that pitcher of ice 
and you suck, okay? It did not matter that, you know, and I, I honestly, and I, I would sit there and be like, but this is the same lady that was so cranky and so, and I was in there having her laugh and she didn't remember that. She told me, thank you. And she was in such a better mood and I helped make her bed and get her dressed and everything. And all I did was go in there and help try to make sure this other person was safe. And I found out this person's not breathing good and we're in here trying to work on this person. And just because we were in here trying to help somebody else out, this lady decides to write me up for not getting her a pitcher of ice. And that just let me just, I just had so much dislike for humans at that point because I thought, how could you discount somebody else's life? You're still breathing. You still have a chance to open your eyes and see your family. You have an opportunity to even eat that ice. They're going to be hooked up to a machine if they make it. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's just, I just, I never could understand how you could just be so selfish, you know, even if it happened, I always go back and say, I do apologize. We had an emergency. I try to get that done. And so I'm back with your ice and we'll get, you know, smashed out because you didn't bring that ice right away. And this is the same person that you could have just been stellar all day long, getting their meds to them, pain meds, addressing any of their other needs. And the moment that you forget one thing, you're trash to them. And that was how I viewed my life. My relationships were that way. Um, a lot of my relationships were that way. The moment that you did not agree, the moment that things just didn't always kind of go the way that person wanted it to go, then I was no good to them. I was a no good friend because I didn't agree with what you just said. I didn't go along with, you know, whatever was done. And so then, you know, Shaquille was hot. Then you got kids out of wedlock. The child, dad, the kids, daddy done left her. You know, forget the fact that Shaquille has been single. Shaquille has been independent and taking care of herself all this time. Um, it doesn't matter. You know, now you're an unwed mother and you got to take care of those kids. You know how many times people kind of talk down to me after I had my kids and basically kind of talk down like I was nothing. I never forget I went home one weekend to my hometown and this lady that I knew for years growing up walked up to me and said, so what are you doing with your life nowadays? And I thought for the past, what, 10 plus years that I've been an RN, where you been? I'm pretty sure you knew that. I'm pretty sure you knew that. So now that you know I have kids and I'm an unwed mother, now you want to walk up to me and say, so what are you doing with your life? And it just, it just, it was one of those moments once again, once again, where I felt like if you do that one thing, if you, if you forget that one thing, everything, you know, everything else can be right on track, but it's that one thing that's just not quite right. You have fallen from grace and you're no good. And I had to be schooled. I had to be schooled. Let me tell you why I had to be schooled. I had to be schooled by God. Okay? When I was knocked down and I was going through my depression, postpartum depression, and dealing with a lot of stuff after I had my kids, um, I honestly feel at this point now, looking back, that it was a plan. It was God's plan. Because... I would not honestly listen to God. I would not listen to God. I would not do what he asked me to do 
because I was still angry with God. I was angry because I felt like my life ain't what I wanted it to be. I had failed at this. I didn't get that. You know, he said he loved me. He left me. You know, they don't support me. I didn't get that job. Why didn't finish that program? You know, I didn't, you know, she don't like me no more. I thought we was good friends. And then I heard they sitting here laughing and talking about me. You know, I was angry with God. I was angry. And um, I realized that I never wanted to listen to the voice of God because I felt like God didn't really care about me. And sometimes when you're in that place, you're just in that, that mind frame. Well, for me, that, you know, God doesn't care. And I felt that he didn't care because all this stuff was going wrong. I messed up. I mean, messed over by people. There's no way if there's a God, you're going to sit here and let people do me like that. But boy, was I sadly mistaken. Because the same God, the same God that allowed um, me to, to fall from grace is the same God that allowed me to rise and to stand on my own too again. And it wasn't so much because he he hated me or he disliked me. It was more so because, honestly, a lot of what I went through were choices that I made. And I had to be honest enough about it. I had to, to step up to the plate and say, you know what, I did make a bad comment. I did say this. Or, you know, I really am not that great in relationships. Maybe I need to, you know, take some time away from just trying to be with somebody to learn how to to communicate and interact in a relationship. Maybe I do push people aside when they're trying to, you know what I'm saying, build with me and they're trying to love me. You know, um, today when I fell down the steps at church and I mean, I got a big, big mess on my leg, my left leg swollen I got gashes all on it bust my toe and everything but um the one thing is that I realized that um I don't like asking for help I bust my behind in front of everybody all this blood gushing out I'm done toe up my toe my knee everything this blood just coming out and I, I couldn't get up it's just me and two kids but I was willing to hobble you know what I'm saying? And risk falling again because I, I just didn't want to have to bother nobody. And I realized that there are a lot of times that God has honestly tried to give me that wrath. He's tried to throw out that little donut. I don't know what you call it from the boats. Okay. Don't, don't judge me. I don't know what the thing is called, but he's tried to throw that thing out to me and say, Kia, please hold on to this and let me pull you out of this. But instead, I'd rather sit there and wallow. I'd rather sit there and stew in the fact that it did not happen, that it did not happen the way I wanted it to, that he said he loved me, he left me, you know, the job didn't pay or the people, you know, things didn't work out or, you know, every single thing that went wrong, I I just sat there and wanted to wallow in it. And he's saying, Kia, I've been throwing this thing to you for so long, honey. I've been trying to get you to understand that I didn't send my kid, my child, to die on the cross, to save you for your sins, knowing that you'd be perfect. I told, I set this whole thing up. I, I had this whole thing in, in, in mind and in place because I knew you would fall. I knew you would sin. I knew you. I, I knew from the very beginning, the very hairs on your head, you know, from the crown of your head to the sole of your feet, that you are not perfect. I know that you're going to be hot. I know that you're going to make mistakes. I know that you're going to 
rather go out and party this weekend and party hardy instead of going back and study for that test? I already knew he was going to do that. I already knew that you were going to put overtime over your relationship. I knew that when you got in that relationship with that guy, that you were going to make a decision based on what you wanted. Because although you really thought you wanted love, you really just wanted companionship. You wanted somebody to just be there, but you wanted more to just be successful. You wanted to have the job. You wanted to make your money. You wanted to live your life on your own terms. And I wanted to tell you so many times, Shakia, there's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to rush yourself to be in a relationship just to fit in with everybody else because they're in one. You don't have to rush to say, I'm going to be a wife and I'm going to be with this person and, and, and that person just because you see everybody else doing it. You know, maybe at this particular time, at this place, that's not for you. You have things that you truly want to do and you need to do. And there is a purpose over your life. But you just have to grab on to this life, this life raft. You have to grab on and let me get you. Follow me. Listen to me. Let me guide you to the place that you need to be. And so what I'm saying today is this. I have fallen many, many times. And I wanted to use an illustration of the diamond because I always felt that my life is that of a diamond in a rough. Okay. And um, you know that the diamond goes through several stages before it is perfected, okay? Um, something that, you know, has so much value to it. And when you look at the process of a diamond and the where it began, just to look at where it began to where it ends, is, is just enough to say just who God is. For something to be... Um, to be considered just just a piece of rock to something that has so much value. So the first process is the cleaving where the diamonds, diamonds, other diamonds are used to cut one diamond into multiple pieces. And this is important because some of us didn't get the best in our childhood, our adulthood. Um, some of us just didn't get it. You have kids who have been orphaned or adopted or in foster homes all their life. You have kids who grew up in one-parent households where that parent wasn't around a whole lot because they had to work two and three jobs to just keep the kids afloat. You had parents who had you had kids who had parents that you know argued, fuss, and fight all the time. They lived in household where domestic abuse was something that they witnessed every day. You had kids that themselves were abused sexually and physically and mentally. You have kids who grew up in homes from home to home because their parents could have been on a substance. They could have been alcoholics. They could have been on crack cocaine or heroin. Um, you have kids that, you know, had to basically raise themselves. So the first process, the cleaving, which is the process where the diamonds are used to cut other diamonds. And in this, another sense, iron sharpens iron. I usually say that's the familiar stage where there is someone that's placed in your life to help pour into you, whether it's your parents, an aunt or uncle, you know, a, a minister is somebody in your, in your community, your YMCA, your gym or track coach, you know, your teacher, whomever it is, that person has made a lasting impression in your life and they have helped formed you into the person that you are to this day. Okay. 
um, the brooding. This is the set where the diamond is shaped into a specific cut. Now, this process is the most intensive and it takes the most time to perfect. I believe that this right here is called your purpose phase. Because when you're going to the brooding, you're being shaped and formed into the person that you honestly are. And a lot of times that's where you encounter a lot of pitfalls, especially if that cleaving or familiar stage, you didn't get a whole lot of what you needed. You find it out in this stage. And I'm here to tell you, it's a lot of things I've had to find out over time. So this process in itself can be very intense because, again, what you didn't get in the first stage, you're going to have to learn it and to adjust and to um, be able to to run and go with it in this next stage. And so the final stage is the polishing. Without the polishing phase, the diamond would be dull and not shine. Wow. Wow. Can you imagine how things would be if God didn't polish us all up and shine us all up? You know, if you had not been able to get that opportunity, not just to have that degree. I mean, that's just, you know, during the brooding. That's just through that stage. But it's just the fact that you have become more humble. You become more grateful. You've developed a deeper sense of self. This stage right here, I think, is the most valuable stage. The most valuable stage because this is where you get your worth. And so I just wanted to share that with you today is that although we fall many, many times, God intends for us to always get up. Like our pastor said today at Rehoboth Baptist Church in Columbia, that it's not intended for you to stay there. Again, that life thingy that they throw out from the boat, God has sent me that thing 50 million times and I have denied it. I have thrown it back and I have sat there and wallowed in sinking sand and it was only until he just basically said you know what if you're not gonna catch on to this thing i'm gonna have to go over there and pull your butt out and carry you to this next phase and i just thank god for that because there are a lot of times that i have been stubborn and i have wanted to quit and i have quit but he said no ma'am uh-uh no no you have too much in you for me to allow you to quit so don't even think about it So today, I hope that I have left something for you to think about. I hope that it helps strengthen you. Like I said, um, this is not a way to to bash parents. Um, It's not something to say that, you know, your parents didn't do this or that. Because what I've learned is this. What I didn't get, sometimes your parents didn't get it either. And their parents didn't get it. And their parents didn't get it. Then their parents didn't get it. So, you know, I've had to learn to break generational curses. It starts with me. Okay. I've learned that when it came to that, like type A personality of that things had to be perfect. I had to give my kids grace. Um, and I've, I've had to learn to do that with my bo- both my girls. I give them grace. This weekend, this past Saturday, the kids had a spelling test. Pam didn't get a word. She didn't even try. I gave her the life jacket now. Try to help out. And we went to their favorite place to get ices. I ain't giving no ice. And me and Pete had ice. But I told her sister, share some of your ices with your sister. And she did. She shared it with her. But I told her, I said, you're not going to get a whole icing. Because you ain't do all your work and you didn't study and you didn't attempt to try. But a lot of times, isn't that how God works with us? You ain't getting that car, you ain't getting that house. But where you at, you provided for, okay? You still got a job, you still got a roof over your head. 
And even though he walked away, you still have people in your life that love you. So I'm sending love and life to everyone out here today on this great Sunday. And I hope that this finds you well. Many blessings to all of you. And as always, shine bright.